I want to begin this morning with a couple real quick announcements. I want to remind you that Breakfast Club is up and running once again, but it has a new day. Breakfast Club, Club now takes place on Wednesday mornings at 7.15 a.m. in the Cable Building. Breakfast Club is for junior high and senior high students, whether they go to Clinton schools or they're homeschooled or they go to other schools in the area. We feed them breakfast. Kevin Peterson cooks every week. It's awesome. There's a devotion by either Adam or Cody, time of prayer, and then they're off to school. So I need you to help spread the word. I think we had 39 for our first Wednesday, which is good, but we'd love to get back in that 50 to 60 range every Wednesday that there is school in the Cable Building. Um, also want to let you know that the Sunday night group study for the story that I am leading, it says in the bulletin that it meets in the Fellowship Hall. We've actually moved that location to the Lord Led Ladies classroom. If you're new around here, it's literally right outside these doors here in the hallway, the far east end of our building. We'll be meeting there from 5.45 to 6.45 this Sunday night and every Sunday night uh, when we are studying the story together. And this is a group that anyone can join. There's no uh, prerequisites, age, or anything along those lines. It would be a great idea if you're a parent bringing your kids to grade school youth groups or to Reveal to just plan to stick around and join us. We'll go for an hour from 5.45 to 6.45, and that way you'll have plenty of time to pick up your kids that follow. I also want to talk about the events of this week. It was a, a very difficult last nine days with the very untimely and tragic death of Clinton High School senior Evan Workman. Um, and, and I uh, have had a lot of time to reflect on the events and just all that unfolded. And I want to start by saying a, a special word of thanks to the Clinton School District and especially Principal Jerry Wayne for the excellent way that uh, they handled a tragic situation. Uh, principals don't get a lot of good stuff, quite honestly. Usually when they hear from people, it's because something not so good has happened. And uh, I didn't know Jerry Wayne very well 10 days ago, but I am so thankful for his leadership and for his willingness to invite the ministers of this community to be a part of uh, the events of this week. And uh, if you see Jerry, if you know Jerry, uh, pat him on the back. It was probably uh, the worst week of his professional career in many ways. And yet through that, I'm so thankful for his leadership and really um, everything that took place through the Clinton School District. also want to say a word of thanks to Adam and Cody. They spent countless number of hours ministering to students um, following the, the events uh, throughout the school day. I think those guys were at school much of Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday in addition to their regular responsibilities. And I'm thankful for both of them and, and the great work that, that they provided in the name of the Lord. And then I need to say thank you to FCC's Army of Volunteers. We had, we estimate, around 850 people that attended the funeral on Thursday. 114 were in the Family Life Center watching it on a, a broadcast feed. Uh, we, we had so many people that stepped up to help with the funeral dinner, to help with everything that took place. I was really proud of First Christian Church this week. I don't say that in a braggadocious way. I don't say that in I think we're the best kind of way. Uh, it was the church being the church. And I was just very, very proud. So I agree. Thank you. And so with that, let's pray. God, we come to you today and we are excited about the story. We're excited about Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. But we pause right now and we pray for Clinton. We pray for our community. We pray for hearts that are still broken. 
hearts that are still trying to find answers to, um, to this tragedy. And it's my prayer that you wrap your arms around um, Randy and Tammy Workman and their family, the friends, the, the hundreds of high school students who continue to grieve. And I think it's my, my special prayer this morning that each one of us will be especially aware of opportunities to, to be encouraging, to, to uplift people that are down, to help the hurting, to be the church, to be salt, to be light, to be Jesus with skin. We love you, and it's in your name that we pray. Amen. All right, the story. Let's, let's get after it. Let's dive in. Last week, chapter 1, Paradise Lost. We looked at creation, the fall, Cain and Abel and Noah, and the big idea, the big takeaway was the stain of sin, the sting of sin, and how unfortunately God's perfect utopia was destroyed by the stain of sin, the sting of sin. This week is chapter 2 in the story, and it's going to cover a huge chunk of Scripture, Genesis 12 through 36. You're saying, how can you condense that into one chapter? I don't know, but they did it. And if you want more than just the chapter, go to God's Word. Read Genesis 12 through 36, and you will be blessed. But the narrative this week looks at the life of Abraham and the life of Isaac and the life of Jacob. The message this morning is almost all Abraham. And it's important that we start with Abraham because that's really where the story takes off following the fall of man and Cain and Abel and the flood and the Tower of Babel. So let's get right after it. The message this morning is in four parts, and part one is this. Our story begins with the Lord blessing Abraham unconditionally. It's an unconditional covenant promise, and as he makes this promise, the Lord is beginning to build his nation. The building blocks are beginning to surface. So read with me either from the story chapter 2 or from Genesis chapter 12 these words. It says, the Lord had said to Abram, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram left, as the Lord had told them, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the site of the great tree of Morah at Shechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your offspring I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. This promise, this unconditional promise, has a sevenfold structure. I'm going to go through this quickly. Abram is told, I'll make you a great nation. I will bless you. I'll make your name great. You will be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you. Whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. That's a mouthful. That's quite a blessing. And yet there's a problem here with this unconditional covenant promise, this sevenfold blessing. What does Abram not have? at this time. He doesn't have a child. He doesn't have an heir. And so, that's great. 
God, that you want me to, to leave where I'm at. It's great that you're going to make me into this great, incredible blessing for all people. It's awesome that you've thrown out this unconditional covenant promise to me. But guess what? It's not going to work out if I don't have a child. It's not going to work out if something doesn't happen. It's all for nothing without an heir. I want you to see early on here that in this unconditional covenant promise, God is showing us that God is God and he's not you and me. And here's what I mean by that. Sometimes we read an account like this and we say, well, come on, let's just, let's fast forward. Let's get to the good part. Let's get to the birth of the son. I'm sure Abram and Sarai are thinking at this point, can we get on with it? Can we move ahead? God's time is not our time. God's way is not our way. And right here, the, the, the promise comes down to Abram, and he is told to go, and he follows with action. He has faith, and he responds, and he goes. Now, I'm going to give you a really easy way. I think Genesis 12, 1 through 3, is one of the most important chunks in all of Scripture. I don't think you can really understand Jesus if you don't understand this promise that's being thrown out here. So I want to give you what I learned as a Bible college student my very first semester. Tom Ewald was my professor. Intro to the Bible was the class. Marla was in that class as well. And I remember him saying, if you don't remember anything else this semester, you're going to remember nation, land, blessing. And I confess to you today, I'm not sure I remember anything else from that semester, but I have never forgotten nation, land, blessing. God's promise to Abram, you can always remember, I'm going to make you a nation, I'm going to give you a land, and you will be a blessing. Nation, land, blessing. So say that with me. Nation, land, blessing. One more time. Nation, land, blessing. A third time. Nation, land, blessing. See, you don't even have to go to Bible college. You don't even have to take intro to the Bible. And you know the most important unconditional covenant promise at this point in Scripture. And it's right here that we see that the Lord, he means business. God's not thinking small. God's thinking grand. Part one of our account today is this unconditional covenant promise that the Lord blesses Abram with. Part two, we need to move on. Abram and Sarai receive what they most desire, a child. Now, how many of you have noticed that some of the time I'm saying Abraham and Sarah, and some of the time I'm saying Abram and Sarah. Has anybody noticed that? Has anybody thought, is he losing his mind? You know, has it been too long of a week? What's going on? Abram and Sarai are their given names. They will become Abraham and Sarah very shortly in terms of Scripture. But up to this point in time, Abram and Sarah, same people. I don't want anyone to be confused. And, and part two of our message today involves this blessing of a child. And so I'm going to try to summarize for you chapters 15 through 21 in kind of whirlwind fashion. It's not that these chapters aren't important. It's not that we're skipping over this because we want to get to the really most important chapter. It's all important. You will be blessed if you spend time studying these more in depth. But I want to give you kind of a snapshot of the events that are unfolding. Chapter 15, Abraham, the blessing begins to build. And the Lord expands upon its covenant promise to Abram. The Lord comes to Abram and he says, I am going to bless your socks off. And Abram says, that sounds great. Blessing sounds good. Still don't have a child. 
still don't have a little one. How's this going to happen? And, and a really cool thing happens. The Lord says to Abram, look up in the sky and start counting the stars. As numerous as the stars are in the sky is how great your descendants will be. And it's at that point that I think it begins to click a little bit more for Abram. This is serious stuff. The Lord means business. Have you ever been there where you know the promise is there? You know the will of God is there? You know the path you're supposed to follow is there? But it's just hard to see the forest from the trees? You just get caught in the muck and the mire of today? that ever happened to you? The next time we have a clear night, which I don't think will be tonight, I want you to just go outside and I want you to just look up in the beauty of darkness and start counting stars and think of this promise that the Lord makes to Abram. It says, just trust me. I've got this. Chapter 16, Abram and Sarai try to solve what they perceive as the problem. God's not acting quick enough, so they decide we're going to do something about it. God's not moving quick enough, we're going to leap to action. And so, as was the culture of the day, Sarai takes her maidservant, Hagar, and he says, Abram, go be with her, go lie with her, be intimate with her, have a child with her, and they, they do just that. And this child's name is Ishmael. And unfortunately, it creates some problems down the road, creates heartbreak down the road. And in chapter 16, if I were to summarize this, this is Abram and Sarai getting ahead of God, saying, God, you're not acting quick enough for me. And so we're going to step up and we're going to take things into our own hands. We're going to act. Have you ever been there where you got ahead of God? I have. Where, where you just couldn't stand it anymore, so you just did something. Something seemed better than nothing. I think sometimes if we're on this journey to having a faith like Abraham, sometimes nothing is better than something. And by nothing, I don't mean nothing. I mean waiting on the Lord, trusting, being patient, being in prayer, silence and solitude, waiting on the Lord. Chapter 17. Here we see a people who will be different, and the covenant of circumcision is established. And just, you know, right there, you just think, should we really talk about circumcision in church? I mean, it's church. Do we really want to go down that road? We need to. Because the point of this, I don't want you to think of a medical procedure. What I want you to think of here is God telling Abram, your people, my people, we're going to be different. We're going to be declarative. People will know that my people are different from everyone else around. And here's the great um, challenge, I think, for many of us today. Too many Christians are trying to look like everybody else. Too many Christians today, we want to blend in. We don't want to be known as those weirdos. We're trying to look just like everybody else. We're trying to be just like everybody else. And right here, Genesis 17, the Lord says, no, you will be different. You will be distinctive. This is how my people will be known. On the eighth day. Why the eighth day? Because the Lord said so. Honestly. He said, we're going to do it on the eighth day. And away it went. At this point, names are changed. Abram becomes Abraham. Sarai becomes Sarah. 
and uh, the blessing, the unconditional covenant promise is on the roll. Genesis chapter 18, the blessing begins to take shape. We find out in chapter 18 that Abraham and Sarah will have a child in one year. Abraham is 99 years old when he finds this out. Do we have any 99-year-olds with us today? Probably not, right? They go to 815 service more than likely, would be my guess. Can you imagine hearing that word? What would you do if you were 90 and you found out you were going to have a child? You know what you'd do? You'd laugh out loud, wouldn't you? Guess what? That's what Sarah did. She laughed out loud. And yet the Lord's not laughing. The Lord's as serious as he can be. The Lord will keep his word. The Lord will keep his promise. And then we jump ahead to chapter 21. And the only way to summarize that is our God is an awesome God. The birth of Isaac to a 100-year-old Abraham to a 90-year-old Sarah takes place. One of my very best friends in ministry is a guy by the name of Jeff Mayfield. He's the preacher up the road in Leroy. And uh, we became especially close during my early days working at Lincoln, 1998, 1999, 2000. And during that time, Marla and I found out that we were going to have a second child who would turn out to be our six-foot-five-inch son, Peyton. We didn't know at the time that was going to be the case, that he would be that tall. But during that time, um, I ate a lot of lunches with my friend Jeff. Jeff and his wife, Melinda, had been married longer than we had. They were older than we were, but they were without a child. And it wasn't because they didn't want a child. It wasn't because they weren't trying to have children. And, and i got to tell you, I really... I struggled to even know what to say. I was so excited about the blessing that was about to unfold in my life, and yet every time I talked with Jeff, I just, man, my heart broke. I sunk just a little bit in, in agony for him. And I'll never forget March of 2000 when we went to lunch, and he said, buddy, I've got good news for you. We are pregnant. And later that year, they had a child, a son, pain, And I'll tell you, he's never been the same since in the best kind of way. To have gone so long through so much of life without a child and to watch all of his friends have children and to think it's never going to happen. And when a lot of people said you're too old for that, to to have the blessing of a child, he's never been the same in the best kind of way. And that's Abraham. See, Abraham had looked around and he knew this promise was being thrown down upon him by the Lord. But it just seemed too good to be true. And then finally, finally, the Lord answered his prayer. And he had his boy Isaac. And everything seemed perfect. Storybook. Hallmark movie channel kind of movie. Just absolutely perfect. And that leads us to part three of our our story. Abraham faces the ultimate test of his faith. I'm going to read a lot of scripture here, so um, follow with me, please. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. Now, we don't know how much later, but we know Isaac wasn't an infant. Isaac was a boy, seven, eight, nine, ten years of age. God said to him, Abraham... Here I am, he replied. Then God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the region of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering 
on one of the mountains I will tell you about. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering and placed it on his son Isaac, and he himself carried the fire and the knife. As the two of them went together, Isaac spoke up and said to his father, Father, yes, my son, Abraham replied, the fire and the wood are here, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham answered, God himself will provide the lamb for the burnt offering, my son. And the two of them went on together. When they reached the place God had told them about, Abraham built an altar there and arranged wood on it. He bound his son Isaac, laid him on the altar, on top of the wood, and then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. I got to tell you, I want to be a person of faith like Abraham. I want to be the kind of person that if God says go and do this, I'm going to go and do it. But I tell you, as a husband, as a son, especially as a father, I don't know if I could do that. I don't know that my faith is strong enough to do that, to build the altar and to take my son and to put him on the wood and to raise the knife for the kill. Let's read on. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham. Here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up, and there in a thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. He went over and took the ram and sacrificed it as a burnt offering instead of his son. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants catch this as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Three clear takeaways. Number one, there's no mistaking this command. The command, it's crystal clear. There's no, can we interpret this differently? There's no, is this really what the Lord means? This was a test of his faith. Secondly, Abraham's response is one of complete and total obedience. He's not asking the questions that I'm asking or you are asking. He's saying, Lord, I don't get it. It might not make sense, but you said it, so I'm going to do it. And then finally, the Lord blesses Abraham for his obedience and their relationship grows. Because of his trust, because of his obedience, 
This unconditional covenant promise, nation, land, blessing from chapter 12, it's just continued to grow. It's just continued to blossom. And the relationship that the Lord has with Abraham continues to grow and thrive. Most of the time, if we were looking at the life of Abraham, we, we would take a time out and we would stop right here. And this would be the end of the message for the day. But because we're journeying through the story together, the story has more, I, I want to give you just a little bit more. And so uh, I'm calling this the, the rest of the story from Genesis to the Gospels and back. And the first thing I need you to see, this is huge, don't miss the Isaac-Jesus comparison in contrast. You cannot miss that. See, as hard as it is for me to read Genesis chapter 22, it's much more difficult for me to read Luke 22 and 23, or Matthew 26 and 27, or John 18 and 19. Because 2,000 years after Abraham was willing to sacrifice Isaac, there was a different father and son faced in a similar situation. And this time God the Father allowed Jesus Christ the Son to go to the cross because you're a sinner, because I'm a sinner, because they ate the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden. And when Jesus Christ did that, he became the one time for all time sacrifice. This time there was no stop. This time the father had to turn his back and watch as his perfect son died the most crueling death imaginable at Golgotha for you and for me. Genesis 22, it's a foreshadowing of what will come. I need you also to see this morning that Isaac grows up and gets married to a lady by the name of Rebekah, and they have two sons, Esau and Jacob. And uh, Jacob is who you're going to read the most about if you read all of Genesis. Jacob is able to leapfrog Esau, even though Esau is the firstborn. But he does it by being very deviant. He's, he's a deceiver. He's a conniver. And as we studied in our Sunday school class today, you reap what you sow. Jacob tasted some of that deception later in life at the hands of a man by the name of Laban. But through all of that, the, the, the weak character that Jacob has early in his life, God blesses him incredibly. In unimaginable ways, Jacob, who, who when I read about Jacob in Genesis 25 and 27 and 28, 29, 30, 31, you know, I'm kind of cheering against him, to be honest with you. You know, when he thinks he's getting ready to marry Rachel and, and, and Laban has pulled the old trickaroo on him, I'm not feeling sorry for him. I'm kind of smiling a little bit because he's getting what he did to Esau. But through all of that, he becomes one of the great heroes of the faith. God blesses him in ways he couldn't even imagine. And next week, we're going to spend time looking at one of his sons, his 11th son, Joseph, and how Joseph ascends to become the second most powerful person in the entire world. Our God is an awesome God. And sometimes we can't see it, but God's plan is there, ready to roll. 
So as I wrap up with you today, what, what can you take from this Abraham narrative? What do you take from nation land blessing? What do you take from the blessing continues to grow? What do you take from his willingness to sacrifice his son? Two things. Number one is this. Understand the Lord should come first. The Lord should come first. For some of you, this is kind of new. Maybe you don't go to church a lot. Maybe, maybe you don't go to this church a lot. Maybe you don't read your Bible a lot. And we're kind of throwing some of the really challenging text at you the first two weeks. We looked at the power of sin last week. We're looking at Abraham being called to sacrifice his son Isaac this week. And so the initial reaction sometimes is just to say, whoa, this is heavy. This is intense. When I study the life of Abraham, I'm reminded that no matter who, what, when, why, or where, I am called to have my most important relationship with the Lord my God and Jesus Christ his Son. And it's easy to say, and it's hard to make a reality. And so I want to challenge you this week, whoever you are, whatever your life circumstance is, what could you do this week? What could you give up this week? What could you begin to do this week that would help you get a step closer to making the Lord number one in your life? What could you do that would help get you on that journey? It might not happen overnight. For some people, they become a follower of Jesus, and it's like Shazam, they're a changed person, and, and they never struggle with, with a lot of the things they used to struggle with, and everything is great, and they're this wonderful testimony. But for most of us, we're on a journey. And it doesn't happen overnight, e even though it probably should. And so maybe the takeaway for you this morning is one thing that's going to help get my relationship with the Lord to the highest priority that it can possibly have is I will be in your word every day, chapter a day. When you get up in the morning, when you go to bed at night, one chapter a day. Or maybe you make a commitment that prayer is not just going to be God is great, God is good, let us thank him for our food. It's going to become real for me beginning today. And, and you start to journal. It doesn't have to be an hour. It doesn't have to be 30 minutes, but that every day you're in the habit of writing down praises and writing down prayer requests, and that when we wrap up this, this study together on May 31st, boy, does that seem like a long time from now. You can look back in your prayer journal, and you can see where God answered your prayers with a yes, and where God answered your prayers with a no, or where God answered your prayers with, we'll see. When I study Abraham, I'm reminded the Lord should come first. And secondly, I'm reminded the Lord rewards our trust and our obedience. I don't want anyone to misunderstand what I'm trying to communicate here. You cannot earn your salvation. Good is not good enough. This isn't about getting enough good points that we get to go to heaven. It's all about grace. But there's something to be said about saying, I will be a person that will trust and obey. Even when I don't even really understand it, I will trust and obey. Like Abraham, God, here I am. I will trust and obey. Let's pray. God, thank you for today and for the chance to study your word, the chance to grow in our understanding of a giant like Abraham. God, I want to have a faith like Abraham. And wow, is it difficult. So, Father, will you help me, will you help us this week to uncover ways that we can grow closer to you, that our faith can, can grow stronger, 
that our faith can deepen. Life's really hard sometimes. Life can be really complicated. And yet sometimes it's through the challenges, it's through the stress, it's through the, the moments that we're in the valley that we really grow in our understanding of you and our understanding of how we're called to live. We love you so much. We thank you for Jesus. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.